There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hola, ¿cómo estás? Espero que todo vaya bien. Welcome, everybody. Today's episode is with Ming Chan, and it was pretty interesting because we, we sort of talked about what being a digital executive is like in today's digital world, right? Today's very globalized and digital world. And then we talked about how he personally grew up in between cultures because he, you know, he's someone that has three offices right now in, you know, different locations and different continents. But he also had a personal experience growing up amongst and in between different cultures. And so it was interesting how that influenced his life today. And so we talked about that and why there's a lack of representation in today's media. So I think this is going to be interesting for people that are sort of looking to sort of build careers in the digital space. And if you're one of those people, he definitely made sure to leave his contact information there. So stay tuned. He's a very renowned professional in the field and has been awarded with many, many, many accolades. So uh, if this is a career you're looking to head into, enjoy. In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready, take some notes, and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Ming Chan. Ming is the CEO of the First Movement. Ming was named one of the top 10 Asian entrepreneurs in America by Inc. Magazine and has led agency to three offices worldwide. So this guy is really someone that, that doesn't just do stuff here in America. He does stuff on a global level. He's recognized as one of the top digital, uh, his agency is recognized as one of the top digital agencies in the world by the Society of Digital Agencies, which is a very reputable organization. And as a Silicon Valley software engineer by trade, Ming was also the recipient of the prestigious Primetime Emmy Award in Technical Excellence in Interactive TV. This is going to be fun. I love, I love when people are multidimensional. Welcome to the show, Ming. I am really, really excited to dive into your background with entrepreneurship, with media, with digital experiences. But, buddy, how, man, how does it feel to be an Emmy Award recipient? <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me, and, and I'm glad to be here um, sharing some of my experience and insight. But, yeah, to answer your questions, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit surreal. Um, obviously, I won that uh, uh, quite a while ago, um, but at the same time, I, when I won that, when I got nominated, or at least my, our project, 
got nominated. I didn't even know there was such things called the Primetime Emmy Award. And it, it's great that even, you know, Emmy Award, most people know that as a TV media award, right? But they actually create a, um, a, I guess, a, a separate award specifically for technical excellence and, and, and digital um, specifically. So obviously being that part of um, a roster that actually got the award, it was a, a huge honor. It's definitely one of my highlights of my career for sure. Yeah. No, no. I congrats on that. That's that's a big deal. So take us back to the beginning for you. When did you um, know that you wanted to to be involved, with, you know, with engineering, with digital experiences, and what was the turning point in your life that led you here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, I, I growing up in Hong Kong, um, I had no idea what I wanted to do, be or who I am, <laughs> who I was even. Um, especially for those who are not familiar with Hong Kong or even uh, the, the culture or the society of Hong Kong. Hong Kong is a very small city. Uh, growing up in a super small city, um, especially in a Chinese, uh, kind of British Chinese uh, environment, uh, we were told, at least we were taught, the education system is very different than here in America. So what, what we was told was very focused on kind of what I call the a left brain development, so very analytics, very math focused, very science focused. So as you can imagine, it's very much about uh, theories and this is the way to do things. So for me to, there wasn't a, a specific moment in time that I realized until I came here uh, in high school, until I went through a, a series of career changes of meeting different type of culture or people that I realized, hey, wait, what I was taught or what I was told I should be, um, maybe a, a lawyer and doctor, make money, uh, might not be the right purpose in my life. So I wouldn't say there was a specific defined moment that, that propelled me to who I was today, but it's a series of experience and obviously uh, different exposure, different culture and values in my life when I moved to America that, that changed me over time. Wow, wow. And I, I want you to, to even, I want to dive into that. So when you came here for high school, what was it like for you to be so different? You know, what did you do to connect and how did you feel internally? So we were part of the phenomenon that called, basically called parachute kids. <laughs> it's actually a pretty, it's a pretty interesting term, but the whole idea is um, that was back in the uh, late 90s. So obviously, with as a small uh, city or even country in Hong Kong, China, uh, there was a lot of uh, uh, desire for sending kids for better education to the Western um, culture. So Australia, England, US, of course. So we were part of what we call parachute kids, just because we were just basically came here by ourselves in boarding school, etc. So for me, that experience was. <laughs> Uh, traumatic to say the least, I, I guess. Um, I was 14 years old and I was just basically, uh, my parents said that, okay, now because you weren't doing too good at school in Hong Kong, you have to come here and try to make it yourself. Um, so I, when I came here, obviously it's a big culture shock um, in terms of not only the different language, first of all, but also the people, the diversity. Versus in Hong Kong, obviously, I was surrounded by only Chinese. And while I went to boarding school, there was still a bunch of us who are like 
uh, who were considered the parachute kids. So we kind of stuck together, but obviously eventually I realized, hey, this is America. We are in America. So, so I better kind of start exposing to at least put myself into a situation that maybe I should learn a little bit about how America works. So, so yeah, so that experience was traumatic, but at the same time, I wouldn't change a bit of it because that's how, that was a key defining moment of, I guess, trying to find myself yeah. um, and who I stand for. So, yeah. No, that, that's so important because a lot of the listeners on the show, they identify with several cultures. And, and I, you know, I so relate to the idea of you thinking that you have to be a lawyer, engineer, or doctor just because it's, it's drummed in you. You know, as a Nigerian, that's that's a very popular thing uh, for, for people to say that as well. And I, I noticed that as well in Asian culture. So yeah. Um, so then you start to find yourself, you're like, okay, you reach the point where you're like, I got to, let me just make an effort to more, make more of an effort to, to really connect more with the American culture. Um, and it looks like some of that was... Um, learning the language and then learning some of the uh the the things that make i guess america america was, yeah. <laughs> um what were the things that you did what were the things that you found that you saw connected you to more american yeah it's funny like when you talk about culture and i'm i'm a big foodie so yeah so one of the when you talk about like culture it's funny food is one thing that you can connect to people very quickly. And I think when I was in boarding school, obviously I got exposed to different type of food, you know, so-called American food, right? And and it was a, a big drastic change from kind of my diet um, coming from even in Hong Kong. But at the same time, there was, uh, as I realized food and, and even going out with friends, um, sharing a meal is a great um tool, I guess, a, a venue to actually get to know each other and, and find common things. So, so very, very kind of, uh, I guess, unexpectedly, that's how I started connecting with mm. people because I realized that, hey, I want to try this food. Can you take me to this type of food? And, and most people are actually, whoa, you're asking about food. Let me take you to the best food I know. So that, type, that really triggered that bonding that I had with uh, all these different uh, friends from different backgrounds, etc. Um, so that was kind of the uh, um, the first step for me to start learning the the, the, the culture, um, and obviously through friendships and uh, talks, etc. It's hard to learn the language, and after all, and I'm sure you know too, and most of your listeners you know, and we are all not that different after all. Uh, once you kind of peel off the the, the superficial layer of color or where you're from, etc. We we're driven by the same thing. Uh, we have might have slightly different values, but we have the same value that we look forward to, right? Like the integrity, honesty, etc., etc. Yeah. So I think I started um, realizing that hey, you know what? We might look different. We're not so different after all. Um, and I think again, going back to food being that ingredient <laughs> that ties us together. Um, so that was that was one of my first step of starting to get into the American culture or starting to get uh, acquainted of the uh, uh, American culture. Yeah, no, I love that. What you just described is something I always tell um, people that travel to do is to find your connectors. You know, for me, it was sport. Yeah, yeah it was food for you. For me, it was sports. 
<laughs> location. Um, sorry, sports geography and pop culture. So I, I just, sure. I, I like, I consume a lot of pop culture. So I know a lot of like, oh, that's the actor from there. That's the, the game from there. Or that's that. And then with oh. sports, sports like food, like you said, I mean, I think food, sports and music are, you know, the things. Universal. That, yeah. Exactly. Universal. Universal. yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I love that. So that's now fun. we, we come to today. Mr. Emmy Award winner, CEO First Movement, digital agency that has three offices worldwide. You've been recognized, your agency has been recognized as one of the top digital agencies in the world. What is your goal? What, what do you do right now and why do you feel like you do it? That's a great question. And, and, and I think, let me start by saying that I never, uh, and I'm sure you do too, it was really finding my place in the world and my purpose. And, and having a business and running a business is just happened to be, um, something that fell on my lap in some sense. Uh, as I go through, and then this might tie back to the, your questions about goals as well, too. At the end of the day, for me, I, I fortunately, I've had a pretty good career in Silicon Valley, known some great people, did some great work. So my name or, or my personal brand was out there a little bit. So I had opportunities. And I had different um, uh, opportunities that were presented to me. And for for the longest time, I was just trying different things, right? Um, and and it fell into it, it's really starting a business or even running a business. Of course, money is important in some in some sense, but it's not why I started the business. I truly enjoy what I love to do, and the fact that, especially within digital. Um, it is the present and the, especially the future. And it is, to, to use your words, this is, it is another connector, right? Mm. We are all connected by digital. So in some sense, being in the digital business is an, another way for me to connect to more people and really find my place in, in, in life in some sense and my purpose. So to your point, the goal of the business, right, is very much aligned, in my opinion, of what I want to be as a person. And at the end of the day, we run a digital agency creating digital experience that hopefully will change people's behavior. And maybe in the most minute way, right, we build a tools or products or something that would actually change people's lives. And that's kind of why um, we all believe, at least who work here at the first moon, that's why we woke up, we wake up every day to go to work, right? So to that point, the goal is really, I, I think I can name you goals in terms of, oh, I want to make X million dollars, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, what we truly want to do is we want to wake up doing what we love to do. And, you know, it's been 11 years that I've been running this, and I can safely say that I'm still waking up loving what I do. And that's all, uh, at the end of the day, I think that's all it matters to me. Um, and, and again, using this as an opportunity to connect with more people, learn more from other people, and again, contribute to the world, hopefully, in the most minute way, right? Oh, my goodness. That, that is so good. Waking up doing what you love. Waking up doing what you love that's one of the uh, most overlooked things that we do are, are you working where you love are you doing what you love um and i'm Absolutely. glad that you found that so you mentioned digital experience there um mm -hmm. what makes a good digital experience in 2018 yeah and then i think in 2018 and and with the 
explosion of different technology and hardware and software and all these stuff. There's, there's always going to be new things. For me, it's all rooted down to is a digital experience actually changing people's behavior in a better way? Um, or even helping people to do things better or faster and more effectively, right? Um, if you think about most of the kind of innovations or, or great digital experience in the past decade, is you know, starting from the internet to the iPhone to obviously now you have the AR and ER augmented reality stuff. There's a lot of gimmicks, a lot of you know, flashy stuff. People just look at it and say, whoa, that's cool. And that's cool. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, can some of these change life, right? So one of the things that I've, we've been looking at is we work with a lot of healthcare clients um, and tech clients. And of course, you can look at, uh, oh, I work on this so-and-so, this movie, and I create this digital experience, which is, well, very cool. I can be myself, etc., which is fun. Um, but what I think what at least we are more drawn to, especially in the healthcare and the technology field, is really digital can actually change life for the better. If you imagine that nowadays, and this is not new, um, you know, how people actually get diagnosed of certain diseases or, or cure certain diseases, there's still a lot of digital technology or digital experience that, that goes into that as well too. So for us to be a part of that, uh, at least help some of those clients to create these experiences. Not that's not only make you feel good, right? But it actually change people's life for the better. Um, that to us, right, is what makes a great digital experience, right? Yeah, the ability to change lives through story, allowing people to to experience something different. Do you um, participate in the Super Bowl commercials? We don't. <laughs> it's funny that we just had an article. Uh, we just got interviewed by uh, 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 Media Post, actually, talking about um, the Super Bowl. We don't participate in that. I used to I, I used to run an agency. Uh, I used to work at one of the big uh, boy advertising agency. So we, we, are, we still participate in terms of watching and really analyzing what <laughs> the advertising and stuff like that, but in terms of actually doing work for the Super Bowl, no, we don't. You know. oh, yeah, I've always wondered. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm you know, I'm not in the <laughs> ad world, but is there um, sure. why why do companies do that? Because it's, it's like five to six million dollars. Oh, yeah, is, you're right. <laughs> is it worth it? I, I I don't know. I I obviously I'm not in the world, so but I'm curious as yeah. as a someone there. I know it's like the biggest sporting event in terms of views. So yeah, I wondered in your experience, is it ever worth it in terms of return of investment, return on investment, rather? Yeah, and I think there's a lot of obviously value in terms of um, Super Bowl, right? You're talking about you're right. A Super Bowl ad average, last I checked, ad average about five point two million dollars. So the whole idea of um, you're supposed to be able to reach about a hundred and sixteen million people, right? Yeah. Because that's that's how many people actually watch the Super Bowl. So if you're talking about return on investment, yes, five point two million dollars. Then you reach about 100 and, and, you know, 10 million people, right? That's about one third of, um, the actual, in America, at least the set says that you have target audience of about 300 and something million, right? So you reach about one third. 5.2 million dollars. Here's comparison, right? 5.2 million dollars can buy you 32 years of mobile video ads. 
you can buy you 30, build you 33 social games <laughs> and you can reach like about 2 million people more on Facebook wow. and last but not least this is the funny one um, and I'm sure one of those big things about celebrity and what we call influential ad right Selena Gomez for example she yeah. has uh, 175 million people right and she, each if you ask her to post something for you like sponsor it costs her about 600 grand each so basically you can get eight posts <laughs> using that yeah. um, money from Selena Gomez and you can reach easily over 200 million people already so with that said right all that says obviously if you look at all the stats yes uh, 5.2 million Super Bowl ads can buy you a lot more value in digital media. But at the end of the day, right, you know, there are still brands, big brands doing it. Um, I know Pepsi kind of pulled out and they went back in. So there are still value in terms of being in the biggest sports event, uh, you know, arguably in America um, every single year, right? That exposure, that people talking about you, um, you know, that is something to be said, right? So again, I'm not here to judge whether yeah. should buy a Super Bowl or not. But if you look at the pure stats, right? You know, five point two million dollars is a lot of money, mm-hmm. especially in digital. Right. So. No. No. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. I didn't know. And um, I'm looking at your approach, right, with your company. So what, a lot of what you do is, um, you say you make great work with with the people you work for. So you're but you're designed for startup and you optimize for. You optimize over years for enterprises, so you work with startups as well as enterprises. And what does someone get from working with you? What is the expectation that they have when they work with your brand? Yeah, um, I think the number one thing that we get is is it's a slightly different approach than maybe most agencies, especially because I came from a technical background, and our beliefs that when you work in digital experiences, you're right, and you mentioned it. It's about telling a story. Um, but at the same time, it's actually building what we call building something that is that lasts, right? Scalable and repeatable and actually change people's lives in some sense. So when we look at that, every digital experience, and you can even refer to that as almost... A- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The product. Uh, website is product. Um, uh, a campaign is a product. So I think our approach looking at things more long-term wise instead of, for example, going to Super Bowl, right? 
you're not just building something just for the Super Bowl. What we want when you work with us, what we will try to instill in this process and even culture in some sense is that when you work with us, we we are here to build you something that lasts, something that can change life over time, and something that can add value for you and your business over time. Um, so I think our processes, our people, and how we work and what we build is all. Um, surrounded by that single idea of building something that is scalable and repeatable and almost like a product. Yeah, that's good. Repeatable, scalable, and always a good product. And if people want to reach out to you, where can they go? Just before we move away from the business side, I want people to really know how they can connect. With yeah. So the first movement is the numeral one st movements.com. Okay. Um, you can learn about us and also um, there's contact info there as well too. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes, the first movement. So, you know, T-H-E-1-S-T-movement.com. What I want to talk to you about now is, you know, the fact that we live in this interesting time, digitalization, globalization of the world. You know, when I started this podcast, I wanted to bridge those gaps. I I was saying, why is it that we live in the most globalized time ever and we we are in the most digitalized time ever, but people aren't connected? And with your background, you know, know, you're from Hong Kong, you've come to... America, you've, you've made a living here. You you have businesses in different parts of the world. What do you what do you feel like is is the problem with um w- with people finding ways to represent the world the way as the way it is? Why is it that when we turn on movies, we don't see enough of people of color, or we don't see the world as is? We only see a certain amount of people. Why do you feel like there is that uh, disconnect? That's a great question, and I'm sure, uh, obviously, with your background and your experience, you might have even better insight than I do. But at least in my very kind of narrow point of view, uh, you know, you can talk about media being the good guy or the bad guy. At the end of the day, I think it's is digital, right? It, it creates a huge opportunity, but also, especially with digital, you can reach a lot more people quicker and faster. But but there is something to be said about digital being way noisier and less regulation in some sense. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm not gonna get into the politics about like, you know, which one is fake, which one is new, etc. But obviously there is a challenge here. There is a problem here. Um that within digital that because anyone can post anything, the 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 reality of that is how much truth are out there. Um, it becomes very noisy versus if you're talking about media, etc. At least there is some perception, right? That it's truth. <laughs> so, so I think the problem that, that we also see in terms of going there to your child job, of course, there are a lot of talent, um, a lot of uh, bright mind with different colors out there, right? But at the end of the day, I think, um, it's the channel uh, and how, how, Focus you can be in terms of finding the right channel to, to broadcast your own message. And obviously for you, you have found your channel in terms of this podcast, et cetera. But I think because of noise and the different uh, options, almost way too many options, mm-hmm. I've met so many people I'm showing you too, right? That have bright ideas, something really strong to say. Uh, but the digital has become way too noisy for them to stand out. Um, so that they, while they have great things to say, they don't know where to say it or how to say it. Um, versus, you know, the, the old days of without digital, right? 
um, is, is a lot less channels, which is a problem, but at the same time, it becomes a lot more focused so that people know where to go. Now is, where do you go? Do you go to Instagram? Do you go to Snapchat? Do you go to Twitter? Do you go to podcasts? Mm. Or where do you go? That effort of actually speaking out something is, 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 is a lot greater. Um, but at the same time, and I'm sure you see that, right? Nowadays, with, with minorities or colors, et cetera, the world has become, to your point, using the word globalized. Everyone has a lot to say, and there are bright minds, there are brilliant minds out there. And I think it's just, unfortunately, there hasn't been a, uh, uh, I, what I believe is they don't, they might not have enough help, um, to, to, to shout or, 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 broadcast the brilliant ideas right yeah no i mean those are all good points and you know i i've all, i've always wondered that too which is you know when you were saying that we have the many different options i was thinking about ways to sort of um break through to to mainstream media and sort of disrupt the stories because i feel like a lot of you know our brains work in stories we think in stories we we process many things in stories and i i also felt like a lot of stories were being um, false. The stories being told about Africans and Asians and a lot of Latinos were false, were or incomplete uh, is the the right word there. And I I wanted to know the best way to disrupt them. And I, and I think what you're saying is true. I found that finding a way to own your narrative and sort of just using the other mediums, whether it's YouTube, whether it's a podcast, whether it's your own Instagram, was an interesting way to to build a community of people who haven't felt represented in so long. And that if you do that well enough, you then you then almost make this business case for all these established organizations to say, oh my goodness, I've been missing out by not really um, reaching out to you. So um, yeah. it's yeah, it's almost this weird thing. It, it, it's, it's frustrating on one end that you have to almost do that to prove yourself when other maybe other people might not have to. But it's also yeah. rewarding in the sense that because you've created and focused on your community. You really have uh, the trust of that community and they can, you know, decide and make decisions with you or they can even inform your next decision. So, yeah. yeah and I think you brought up a very great point. I wanted to, uh, obviously I wanted to listen and not to miss that too. I think you brought up a couple of points that repeated a couple of things, but I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. Is you, you mentioned about own your narrative and you talked about the story, right? And I'm sure you know too, like, especially with, with minority or, or not even that, but English as a second language, it's a tough thing for a lot of people. Cause obviously, especially you write, people are drawn to stories. So the way you, how you tell your story makes all the difference. So especially English as a second language, there's a lot of anxiety or, or, or anxiousness or, or even, uh, don't trust your ability to tell a great story because English is not your first language, right? I think there's a lot of people have brilliant minds, but they just can't tell what they want to say in, to use the words, own their own narratives. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much about the channels, because at the end of the day, right, I, I believe if you have something really compelling and interesting to say, doesn't matter what channel, it will come up, right? Um, I think the challenge, especially, and this is interesting, and that's because we do a lot of work with millennials, with, with this generation, <laughs> if you imagine, uh, and, and my generation at least, you know, texting or even on the cell phone all the time isn't a common norm. So how do you meet people? 
you have to go and actually talk to people <laughs> right now. So throughout through talking to people and actually conversing, maybe you will learn the soft skill of actually how to tell story, tell a great story. And I think now this generation, um, you know, if you think about all the texting, the the LOL and the the the, the short code, etc., right? All those stories, the way of telling stories is very different nowadays. When when at least when I was telling stories, so I think that present a um, a challenge um, to for even millennials to to put themselves in a different environment to tell story, right? Um, so that that to me is also I find it fascinating, especially in the work that we do in terms of telling story, right? Um, especially this generation, they definitely tell a story slightly differently than maybe how I would have told story back in my days. No, no, I love, I love that you said that. I'm, so I'm a millennial, so I, I mean, I, I always, I like to listen to people from different generations when um, sure. they talk about social uh, media and connecting. Because it, it's interesting, I always say, I, I'm not on the side that thinks social media is bad. I actually love social media because I, I think it's, it's, it's great. I think it's got its good and its bad, but I think a lot of times we don't focus on the good. But I think we always forget, a lot of us in, in the world, um, all generations, sometimes we forget the social and social media. So it's, 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 it's a great way to meet someone online, but I always think there's also another way to even get to meet the person in, you know, in, in, you know, in real life. If you get the opportunity, hey, I'm in L.A., Hey Ming, uh, we did a podcast la- uh, two months ago. Do you do you want to grab lunch? That's a, like that's an example, right? So I think there are ways where we can actually amplify that, and I think the more we do that, um, and we're starting to see. I mean, that's how Netflix came about, right? Now Netflix does movies, Netflix, you know, TV shows. Olden days, you would never have said that you know things like that could be disruptive, right? Because I think ideas are formed when people disrupt things using the right digital platforms. And telling the right stories. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we're getting ready to wrap up here, but I'm curious to hear my, your thoughts on a few things. So, uh-huh. obviously, you've, someone, someone like you who's built traction and, and, um, you know, members in, in your community and in your group, I, I'm curious to know with all the disruption, the, the distraction in the world today, how do you feel like people can actually build a movement? You know, how can people start? What are the first steps in starting a movement with with your story, with your message? <laughs> That's funny. I, I saw. I think I don't know if you intentionally did that, but you know, the first movement. <laughs> That's exactly the. Uh-huh. I, I, I mean, I like to think that I. No, yeah. I did not. I wasn't. It just happened accidentally. <laughs> I know exactly. That's funny. That's funny. But but yeah, exactly. That's actually. Uh, name the first movement. It's actually represent exactly what you talked about, right? It's really we. Uh, at least when I started, I believe that um, obviously eleven years ago, digital or experience shouldn't be the way it was. It shouldn't be about not not that there's nothing anything wrong with that, but it shouldn't be about Cindy Crawford, you know, dressing in a bikini and tell you to drink Pepsi, and you're like, okay, I would drink Pepsi. That shouldn't. Be be the way advertising should be. Um, and hence, that's why I, I believe that digital experience is supposed to be uh, building something more meaningful. And, and the way we do it is very differently. And that's why, you know, the first movement was started. And, and it was really about disruption, um, at least in my opinion, about disrupting um, the way that how we build digital experience and how we build products as well, too. So, but yeah, so 
that's funny that you you mentioned that. <laughs> that's um, so going back to your your question. So I apologize. Can you repeat? So you're talking about. Let me clarify. Understand exactly what you're asking. So you're talking about like how does someone actually start able to yeah. start a movement? Yeah, right? yeah. Start yeah. a movement with your story and message. Yeah. What are those first steps involved? Yeah, and I think and I think we've said that uh, even in the beginning of this call, right? It's really about find your narrative first, and to your point, right? And then to seal your words. Not only find your narrative, but find something that you strongly believe in. And I think this is where the hardest thing, right? Um, especially with all the noise and stuff like that out out there. Your, there's so many influences about your opinions. But I think if you look at any movement or any discussion, start with a single, strong, non-movable idea, right? Or belief. So I think it's about that, right? Um, it is, and as you know, it's not an easy thing to, it's never an easy thing to start anything. <laughs> Rightfully so to build something into a movement, right? But I think it's that belief that you have to be so strongly held to no matter what happened i'm gonna believe this right the arrogance and that decisiveness that you have that's the first thing i would say right i think what you will see is if you think about all the disruption and all the movement if you believe it strong enough someone will believe you and going back to the point of um there's something called uh, i don't know if you uh, maybe you're listening to have to there's something called a tipping point um that mm-hmm. great one of the great new york bestseller any movement, right? The tipping point basically says any movement um, is kind of like a hockey stick. But in order to get to a, this tipping point, you need a couple rows of people. One of the key rows is what we call mavens. Maven, and then I truly believe that, right? You have a single strong idea, but you also need people that are willing to shout it and spread it for you. And that's the idea of mavens. The mavens, and, and interestingly, millennials, the definition of mavens is someone who seek knowledge, but they also love to share the knowledge, right? Without anything taking back. It's just the fact that they like to share what they learn. So the whole idea is obviously to, to drive the movement. You have to start shouting or at least broadcasting what you strongly believe in. If you can get aligned a couple of mavens as your key members of the community, what we have seen in, in even in recent history, that's how movement gets started. So with that said, right, I think my couple maybe advice and recommendation would be find something that you truly believe in, um, to use your words again, refine that narrative, and then find those mavens, right? I have been very fortunate to find my mavens are the people that work with all for me because they believe in what I believe in. Uh, and together, right, then we can influence other people. So to me, that's that's the, the number one key of actually starting and getting some momentum and any movement in some sense. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Find your mavens. Yeah, ah, that's it. You know, the thing with movements is that a lot of times your first few followers are the are the ones that can actually amplify the movement. And and I think a lot of times people think they don't have twenty million people. That's it. They're done. <laughs> but if you really focus on the first few people that really buy into your 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 mission, your your value, that is what is going to get them to go around and start to spread your message more because you've really provided value. And so... Yeah, yeah. and I think that going back to your point about social, right, there's a lot of uh, a lot of funny stats out there or right around that says, oh my God, you have 200 million followers. But what's more important once you get to that point is how many active mavens users do you actually have? 
out of those 200 million people, right? So I think that's the, to your point, to, to, to even echo what you just said, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. If the volume of the community is important, but it's the first few, what we call loyal, your brand advocates, right? Yeah. Um, those are your loyal mavens. Um, they, they have the power to help spread your message out yeah. a lot quicker than you would have by yourself. That's great. That's a love. It. I love it. Ah, oh, goodness. This is amazing. I, I love this, Meg. No wonder you're, you're so successful with this. Um, how can people um, uh, reach out to you? How can people reach out to you in case they're, and what type of clients do you like to work with? Yeah. So you can find me on um, Twitter. I have a, a Twitter, Ming at T1M. I'm also on, um, obviously, LinkedIn on the Ming Chan. Um, and of course, and you can also reach me at Ming at thefirstroom.com. So those would be the best way to reach me. Um, yeah. And I love to, like I said, I personally are involved with the Asian communities. Um, just give back a little bit. I've been fortunate to have some success. Uh, also work with brands and as well as startups as well too. And I love talking about all things as you can probably tell. Everything about geek, technology, digital, you know, entrepreneurship, leadership, you know, it's something that I'm constantly learning and I love to talk to more um, brilliant minds in the world as well. So, yeah. Wow. No, this is good. This has truly been a, an honor for me to spend this time with you. Thank you so much. We'll make sure to put the show notes in, in the link below. But before I let you go, my mission statement and the reason I do everything that I do today is what I like to say, use your, what I like to call, you know, use your difference to make a difference. That's my foundation. So how yeah. do you, Ming, use your difference to make a difference? My personal mission statement, and I'll share that with you, right? It's actually to, to make a positive impact in everyone, everyone I meet. Mm. So that's my personal mission statement. Um, so to, to echo that, right? I am different. Every, everyone's different. I'm hoping that whoever I meet, I will be able to develop meaningful relationships or at least have meaningful conversations. So somehow what I say, or what I do, um, could have a positive impact on you as a person. As long as I'm doing that, I feel like I'm already making a difference to a person. And again, to your point, you know, making a difference, um, whether it's one person or 100 million people, you're still making a difference. So to me, um, my personal vision is I start with individual. Um, so hopefully I can make a difference to as many people as I meet. And hence, I would love to meet. I, my goal is to meet as many people as I can uh, in my lifetime as well, too. So. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Love it. Ah, this is good. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Ming, for spending time with us. I really, really do appreciate uh, you uh, being, um, you know, being the, the communicator that you are and being the difference maker that you are. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, Pleasure is mine, sir. Pleasure is mine, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Imagine 
in the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 